Thank you for joining us for a message from the Christian Fellowship Church of Kandu, North Dakota. Please visit our website for more information about our church at kanducfc.com. So we're starting a new series uh, this morning as part of, of Homecoming Sunday. We're calling it Deep and Wide, and I'll, I'll get into that here in, in just a moment. I was trying to think about how to start this, this message, and really, I, th- I feel like I just need to start it with a statement. The most effective Christians that I have personally encountered in my life are effective because they have done two things very well. A... They have developed a strong personal relationship with Jesus Christ and they have led others to do the same. It's actually very, very simple to understand what an effective Christian is supposed to be. Yet at the same time, it's extremely profound. So in other words, these people have gone deep in their own relationship with Jesus and they have gone wide showing others how to walk in deep relationship with Jesus too. Someone who goes deep with Jesus is someone who has trusted in Jesus willingly and personally for their salvation. They have consistently allowed themselves to be spiritually nourished through their own connection to Jesus and by receiving from other believers uh, that God has placed in their lives. They've committed themselves to the mission of Jesus Christ and his church They've gladly sacrificed earthly and temporary pleasures so that they can live more focused on Christ's purpose for them. They see value in living life like this, and there's nothing they desire more than to see God's will be done. You can see their love for God and how they live their lives abandoned for Him. So these people who have chosen this deep relationship with God have also taken or taken it and spread it wide to everyone that they meet. They don't hold on to it for themselves, but they want other people to experience what they've, had, what they've experienced. They eagerly share the love of God with others. They lead people to understand God's plan of salvation. They walk with other Christians, helping them along in their own relationship with God. They teach them and model for them biblical truths so that the next generation of Christ followers will be built up and strengthened in the church and in our communities. So that's kind of in a nutshell what it means to be a deep and wide Christian. And this deep and wide principle is all over the Bible. It's not just something that I've come up with. This is something that I've read about in the Bible for myself. One example is Matthew 13, verse 23 where Jesus describes the ideal way to respond to him in the parable of the sower and the seed. That verse says, But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Okay, so we are meant to respond to the word, and that's the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, when we believe in who Jesus is and the sacrifice that he made in order for us to be forgiven for our sins. That's starting point number one, right? Then Jesus goes on to say that we produce what was sown in us. That's a very important principle here, so don't, don't miss out on this. What then should we produce? Well, what was sown in us? It was the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? So this is what I believe 
the Bible describes effective Christians to be, and this is what I have observed as well, that an effective Christian is not just someone who consumes or receives from God or from others, but then from what they receive, they go out and produce in the lives of other people exactly what God has done in them. The gospel has gone deep into the heart of this person, affecting everything about who they are, and then they go wide, reproducing this in as many people as they can. So let me tell you about three people that I have personally known in my life that have lived this deep and wide lifestyle. It's kind of like I'm going to share their testimony for them. I've changed their names just so you don't have to guess about who I'm talking about. It really doesn't matter. It's the point of God's work in their life is really what matters. Sean grew up in a non-Christian home and came to know Christ as a teenager. He quickly learned much about God and began to grow in his faith. After high school, he went to university for accounting. After university, he began a career in finance. Sean was still growing deeper in his faith even during this career. Eventually, he felt a desire to leave his career in finance and join the staff at his church to lead a ministry training school for young adults. In those years, he passed on to others what he had received from Jesus and other Christians in his own life. After many years, Sean moved to a new city and into a new role where he now ministers to pastors, teaching them about how to get back to simple biblical practices that revitalize their churches and prevent distraction and burnout. He personally ministers on a weekly basis to nearly 100 people, teaching them all that he has learned through mentorship groups. Plus, in his own time, on the weekends, every Saturday, he goes and walks the campuses of the universities in his city, looking for opportunities to talk to people about Jesus and lead them to trust in Christ for themselves. So from this practice, he has made many new connections and is leading these people into deeper relationship with Christ. Kind of a cool story. Next up is a guy named Alex. As a sophomore in high school, Alex was an up-and-coming soccer player. He was, one of the, he was one of the outstanding players on his team, and he excelled in nearly every aspect of the sport that he played. But the time commitment that was required of him was becoming greater and greater. On top of that, an injury sidelined Alex for a period of time, and he began to question if he should continue to play the sport that he loved. Alex grew up in a Christian home and knew that living for God was supposed to be the most important thing for him. So he decided to give up soccer, which he loved, to be more firm in his commitment to Jesus. He connected with a flourishing youth group that taught up from the Bible and equipped students for a lifelong commitment to Jesus Christ. Alex eagerly took in all that he was being taught and applied it to his life. He became a leader in his high school for Christ. He invited friends to youth group. He became a student that his youth pastor could depend on and would be a good example to other students. After high school, he became a volunteer in his church, leading worship and taking younger students under his wing as a youth volunteer, passing on to them what he also had been taught earlier in his life. Now married, Alex lives in the inner inner city. He and his wife both work with a Christian youth organization that reaches out to students living in tough economic circumstances. 
They teach them about Christ. They keep them active and out of trouble. And Alex is on the verge of rekindling one of the loves in his life, soccer, by forming a youth soccer league that will reach even more students and give opportunities for them to speak into their lives about the good news of Jesus Christ. And finally, a man named Todd. Todd grew up in a Christian home but rebelled against God and his parents. Through being healed of a birth defect, he was born with one leg that was longer than the other, and uh, someone healed him by praying, and he watched one leg grow to match the, the length of the other one. Through that miraculous healing, he put his trust in God completely. After high school, Todd worked at Red Lobster and was excited to live out his new faith in Christ. Todd served people the food that they ordered and kindly asked if he could pray for their meal. A lot of time, people said yes. Todd also loved animals and he worked at Petland. His reputation for being a zealous Christian spread quickly throughout all the Petland stores in his city. So much so that when he was transferred to another store in another part of his city, a new co-worker cursed in front of him, then looked at Todd, apologized, and did 10 push-ups. Todd said, what are you doing? The coworker got up off the floor and told Todd, don't worry, I have a friend who worked with you at your previous store. He told me that as a Christian, you make people do push-ups when they swear in front of you. Todd looked at him and said, that's not true. But nonetheless, he was quickly known as a devoted follower of God by everyone that he encountered. Soon Todd attended Bible school and after graduation took a job as a youth pastor at a church in a small town. Over the nine years that he served in that church, the youth group grew from 30 kids to about 150. He consistently pointed students to Jesus, helping them develop strong practices so that they could have their own vibrant relationship with Jesus. Todd wrote books and devotionals that helped his own students and students in other areas of the country learn what it meant to walk with Jesus. Many of his students from that youth group have gone on to serve in volunteer ministry roles in their churches, and several have served in full-time ministry because Todd effectively passed on what he had received. Eventually, God led Todd across the country to another city where he was the lead pastor of a church for several years. In this new city, Todd represented God wherever he went. Regularly, Todd would, encounter, would have encounters with people that he didn't even know, where he'd be able to pray for them, ask God for healing, and they would receive it on the spot, and he would lead many people to have their own relationship with Jesus. One time, Todd went to a McDonald's halfway across his city to meet someone. Once he was there, he realized, oh no, my meeting's not today, it's tomorrow. But while he was there, he was just observant of the people around him, and God pointed out someone to him. Todd offered to buy this person's food, and Todd talked to him about Jesus. Everywhere Todd went, God had a purpose for his life. Now Todd has planted a new church and continues to serve God faithfully, teaching people how to know Jesus personally and practically for themselves. So what do people like Sean and Alex and Todd have in common? They are all living deep and wide like Jesus modeled for us and taught us to live. Yes, this is actually something that Jesus himself has shown us that we're supposed to be doing with our lives. This isn't just for, for some people or like that rare special breed of Christian. This is actually something that all of us are meant to embrace in our lives. If we look closely at Jesus' life here on earth, we can see that he sacrificed his life for people long before he was nailed to a tree. 
He gave up comfortable living to travel around telling people about his father. He gave his life to 12 men, inviting them to follow him and learn from him. He graciously and humbly explained and lived out our out biblical truths so that his disciples would be able to observe what it meant to live a life for God. He put up with anger, hostility, and arrogant opposition to his gospel of love. He healed and restored and made whole everyone who came to him in faith. Jesus gave his life away years before he was crucified. He lived like this because this was the purpose that God gave him. This wasn't Jesus' idea, but this was what his father told him he had for him. In John 17 verse 4, Jesus is praying. It's a phenomenal chapter, and I would encourage you all to read it. But the one verse I want to hone in on here in Jesus' prayer is just verse 4, where Jesus says, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Now, I find this verse really interesting for just a couple of reasons, okay? First, look at the timing of this verse. Jesus is praying this prayer before he is crucified. So what, and what does he say in this prayer? He says, I have brought you glory, not I will bring you glory. This is a very interesting thing to pay attention of. So I have is past tense. Jesus is looking back at how he has lived his life and is sure that he has glorified the Father in the way that he has lived. So how has Jesus brought glory to the Father? That's, that's the logical question that we should ask, right? Well, that's the second part of the verse. It says here, by finishing the work that God gave him to do. So isn't it interesting that Jesus says this before he is arrested and taken to be tried, beaten, and crucified? I'm not diminishing what Jesus did on the cross, but I'm just observing the timing and the context of what Jesus says here in John 17 verse 4. So what has Jesus done up until this point that he's so sure has brought glory to his Father? What is the work Jesus has finished, which the Father gave him to do? Well, he gave his life to 12 men and taught them what it means to live for God. He taught these 12 men, the disciples, to help others to know him in the way that they live. And in doing this, Jesus made disciples who were devoted to making disciples. He started the greatest chain reaction event in the course of human history that has done the most good. Think about it. 2,000 years later, we're sitting here talking about this man, Jesus, who came to earth, who began a work with a group of 12 men. Yeah, there were others, but 12 men is who he focused in on. And each of us today have heard about Jesus because this message has continued to be passed on. There has been disciples who have been making disciples through the course of history, and you and I are the beneficiaries. Jesus took these 12 men deep into relationship with himself and showed them how to have relationship with the Father so that they could go wide and share the good news with others. So we see this deep and wide lifestyle modeled for us in the lives of people like Sean, Alex, Todd, and of course, in Jesus too. But this isn't just a fluke. Living deep and wide is exactly what Jesus taught us to do. Not just the 12 men that he spent most of his waking time with, 
But this is something that he has passed on to all Christians. So in John 17, 4, Jesus indicated that he was fully aware of the work that God the Father gave him to do. If we look carefully at three passages this morning where Jesus is speaking to his followers, that means he's speaking to us, we should be able to easily understand the work that Jesus is giving us to do. And one of those verses is from Matthew 4, verse 19, which says, And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So this is Jesus' great invitation to the men that he's calling to be his disciples. The ideas of a deep and wide walk with Jesus and widespreading and the widespreading reach that that deep relationship is meant to have are evident in this verse. When Jesus says, I will make, that's an indication that Jesus transforms us and helps us to become like him in heart, mind, and in the way that we live our lives. Jesus says, I will make. Not, hey, work on this. You need to be this. No, as we connect with Jesus, he says, he will make us into something. And once we've gone deep with Jesus, we're activated to go wide with the message about him, helping others to begin to grow deep with their own uh, relationship with Jesus. So Jesus is telling us that our work is to follow him, and he will help us to go deep with him, and then take that depth and spread it wide, making fishers of men, right? That's who we're made to be. So we are going to fish for people. We're going to bring them in to the relationship with Jesus Christ. Acts 1 verse 8 is another key passage that has this deep and wide principle. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So as followers of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit is at work in us. That's a good thing. Would you agree, friends? Let's actually say that together. Repeat after me. The, the power of the... I'm gonna, repeat after me means I'm going to say it first. Just so you guys don't get messed up. But this is, this is something we all need to say. Okay, so you listen and then... Okay. The power of the Holy Spirit is at work in me. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. That's something we need to be confident of. Because if we don't understand that God is in us making us fishers of men, through the power of his Holy Spirit, we may doubt that this is actually happening, and then we will be ineffective in taking this message to the ends of the earth. So it gives us a depth of relationship with Jesus that is greater than anything that we could ask for, this Holy Spirit functioning in our lives. And the Holy Spirit works through us, not only in us, but through us into the lives of others so that we can effectively do the work that Jesus has given us to do. We help others to go deep with Jesus, just like we have gone deep with him ourselves. And this happens as we witness to others about what Jesus has done for us. This message is meant to go wide and be taken all over the earth. And that's not hyperbole. I believe that that's literal. Jesus is telling us that he will give us power to to tell people about him. And that is going to take place literally all over the world. And a final example of the work that Jesus assigns to his followers, we can see in probably one of the most famous verses that Christians hear in church, I would hope, is Matthew 28, 19, where Jesus says to his disciples, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Once again, there's the deep and the wide showing up in this passage. So I think of disciples like I think of people who go to the pool, okay? Follow me with a bit of an analogy here. 
When you're at the pool and you see people, or you see all kinds of people, right? But not all of them are actually swimmers, right? Like, not everyone goes to the pool would actually be there to swim. Uh, They may be there wearing a bathing suit. They may be sitting on one of those beach chairs. They might be inside the chain link fence. But are they swimming if they're staying in that beach chair? No. So that person, in my opinion, is not a swimmer. Otherwise, they would be swimming. And then there's the person who sits on the edge of the pool and they dangle their feet in the water. Maybe they're wearing jeans or something. They just roll them up and get their feet in the water. But are they actually in the water? Kind of, it's a start, but but not really. Still not really a swimmer, okay? How about the person who stands in the water, usually close to the edge of the pool, and they're fending off their kids saying, no, I don't want to get my hair wet, right? Everyone's thinking of their mom at this time, that's fine. I'm thinking of my wife. We, she gets her hair wet sometimes, but not all the time. My mom did that too. I loved it. I just, I didn't understand why. We're in the pool, and then you splash them, and they get angry, and you wonder why. I don't understand. But these people who are in the pool, and they're not fully wet, they're like, ah, they're, they're in the pool, they're ready to be a swimmer, but they're still not really swimming. But then there's that person, and we all know who this is. They come bolting out of the change room, They throw their towel on the run onto one of these beach chairs, and then they run and cannonball right into the middle of the pool, right? And they're wet instantly from head to toe. This person, I would say that that person is a swimmer. They are fully immersed in the water. A disciple of Jesus, I believe, is the same as the person who is wet from head to toe. They jump fully into all that Jesus has for them. They aren't an observer of some or someone who's only willing to go partly into what Jesus has for them, but they want to receive it and experience it all. And sometimes that happens over the course of a short period of time or a long period of time. But nonetheless, we never stop going deeper. You know that swimmer who's wet from head to toe? Aren't they the ones who can speak with the most authority about the condition of the water? Yes, because they've fully experienced it. And in the same way, aren't the people who live their lives to follow Jesus in every way, shape, and form, aren't they the ones who can testify the most confidently about how worth it it is to follow Christ? Yeah, I think so, because they're the ones who've welcomed him into every portion of their lives. Jesus says to us, his disciples, go and make disciples. Go and teach people to go deep with me, to be immersed in my will for their lives from head to toe. Teach them to allow me to wash over every part of their lives and transform them completely. And then Jesus also says to make disciples of all nations. Helping people to walk in deep relationship with Jesus is meant to happen everywhere we go. Literally all the people of the earth are supposed to hear through Jesus' followers about how they too can follow Jesus. So this deep and wide series that we're embarking on today is about living life as a disciple. Not as a Christian, because Christian is a very vague term if we really are honest with ourselves. In society, it's become watered down. So a disciple, though, is something very specific. Let's look at what this means. Very simply, a disciple is a follower. 
What we follow is what we become like, right? As Christians, we're meant to consistently follow Jesus so that we will become fully like him. Jesus was totally immersed in the work of the Father. He was fully obedient to the Father's will. Jesus gave his whole life to the work that his Father assigned to him so that others would know the Father through him. If that's who Jesus is, then following him means that that's who we're supposed to be as well. Which is so awesome to understand. Oh, I get it. This whole Christian experience isn't so vague that I don't know what to do today. I'm actually living the disciple experience where I wake up every morning with purpose and drive and ambition to live like Jesus lived because I'm following him. Luke 6 verse 40 says that students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like their teacher. What this verse is telling us is, if we are actually following Jesus, we won't be able to help but become like Jesus. Isn't that an exciting proposition? Oh boy, I'm glad we're, I'm glad we're in this series. But so many churches today... So many churches today are full of people who call themselves Christians, but hardly resemble Christ. Isn't that sad? When did Christians start to believe that Jesus wants us to share a name with him, but not actually be anything like him? Remember, we looked at three passages today where Jesus taught us to be like him. To do the work that he has been doing through living a deep and wide life. So let's go back to this pool analogy for a moment here. We've talked about how disciples are like swimmers. Some hang out by the pool. Some dangle their feet in the water. Some stand in the water, but kind of close to the edge and not fully immersed. And then there's those who are immersed completely in the water. Friends, my question for you, just as a a small pause here for some self-evaluation... Which one of these swimmers describes how you follow Jesus today? Just take a moment and consider which one of these you identify with. Are you observing others as they participate with Jesus, but you yourself haven't taken the plunge yet? Are you kind of looking into Jesus for yourself, just kind of putting a toe in the water, but you're not really willing to go deeper? Do you call yourself a follower of Jesus, but there's something that's holding you back from going further, from going deeper, the way that Christ has called you to go deeper? Or are you all in, willing to go deep, willing to be totally immersed in Jesus, no matter what the cost is, no matter what he's asking you to do? As we begin this series, it's important for us, no matter where we're at in this scene, To tell Jesus that we desire all that he has for us. That way we invite him to take us deeper and to make us more like him. Remember Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. So sometimes the first thing that needs to happen in order for Jesus to do these things in our lives is to tell him that we want him to. And if we we honestly say to ourselves, Pastor Jeff, I know you're saying that we're supposed to want these things, but I don't want to want these things. That's okay. 
You can pray for things that you don't want, that you know you should want, and God is going to help you out. There's many times where I say, God, help me to not get angry at this person, even though that is the one thing that is raging in my heart, and that's what I want to do. And I know that I don't want to not be angry. I'd rather just act on my anger, but that's not what God wants. So I say, okay, Jesus, I don't want actually what you want for me right now, but I pray that you would help me to want what you would want. God can do that in all kinds of areas of our life. And when it comes to being a disciple, to being someone who is going deep with Jesus and then being willing to take that depth and make it go wide and share it with other people, if that terrifies you, if that annoys you, if that frightens you or makes you sick to your stomach, if it invigorates you or excites you, truly your own desires in this moment need to not matter. But you need to say, Jesus, I desire what you desire. That's the greatest thing that we need to do. Jesus, make my desires match what you have in store for me and the purposes of my life, the job description that you've given me to live by. That's all that matters in these moments. There's much more that we're going to discuss in the coming weeks about how to live this deep and wide discipleship life. And it's exciting. The Lord's been working in my heart for like many months, almost a year, preparing us for what this series is going to be about. And there's, there's no greater joy than I have than to point us once again to what Jesus has called all of us to be. Because we're all in this together, right? Like, like I said, there's some of us who are scared, some of us who are invigorated, some of us who probably want to hurl right now. But the thing is, we're all in this together. Christ has called us as an entire group to do this. So it's not like you're going to go off on your own and have to learn these things. We're all in this, working towards these things as one body, unified under God. We're all asking that the Holy Spirit would work in us. So here's my challenge for you this week. And if you're a note taker, this would be something important to write down just so you don't forget. My challenge for you this week is to pray daily for Christ to give you a desire and a willingness to immerse yourself in all that it means to be a disciple. So what we're praying is, Jesus, make me immersed from head to toe in the life that you have called me to live. Give me that desire to not hold back, to not kind of cheap out, but to do everything and desire everything that you have for me. Even if we don't know all the details of what it means to be a disciple right now because we're just getting into this, that's okay. We're not praying that Jesus would make us a complete and perfect person right now. We're just asking for the desire to be made into the fullness of of the disciple image that God has created us to have. Desires like these need to fill our hearts. Because when we desire what God desires, all of a sudden He gives us everything that we desire. It says that in Psalms. So I'm going to desire. I, I'm going to make the, the joy of my heart everything that Christ has for me. Jesus, would you give me joy in the idea of following you to the ends of the earth? Would you give me joy in going deeper with you and not just being content where I am? Would you give me joy in being more disciplined in understanding what your word says and how I can apply it each day in my life? Would you give me joy at the prospect of sharing with others what you have asked other people to share with me? 
That's the desire that we're praying for, friends. So I'm going to call up uh, Kathy and Jennifer. And as they're coming up, we're going to pray according to these things together for just one moment. Lord God, I like, this, I like this topic a lot. And I'm so thankful that you didn't have to convince me that this was something that was worth speaking about. Jesus, I'm thankful for the people that you have um, lined up to speak into my life and to disciple me. I'm thankful that there are people in the lives of many of us here who you have positioned and you have influenced them to influence us. You have led them to disciple us and take us deeper with you. And Jesus, we we love this depth of relationship that you invite us to have with you. But we ask Jesus that there's going to be something greater happening than just what's happening right now. And if we want to experience that greater thing, that deeper thing, that widespreading thing, Lord Jesus, this discipleship idea, we need to desire it. So Jesus, in our hearts today, we pray that you would stir up a desire for more. Stir stir up a desire for for this deep and wide lifestyle. Stir up a desire that would cause us to follow you as disciples. Where we would walk in obedience to your name. Where we would receive from you all the things that you want to bring into our lives. And that we would then go and share that with someone else who you put in our lives. I believe, Lord Jesus, that every single person here can do that. As we trust in you, Father God, we know that all things are possible. When it's for your glory, Jesus, you're interested in making these things come about. So, Father God, create in us this desire. Please, Jesus, work in our hearts. Change the desires of our hearts so that they would match what you want us to experience. Amen.